Hey everyone, welcome back to Stay Curious, a podcast where um, we want to help you remember how to think instead of tell you what you should think, and we want to create diversity in thought without creating division and community. My name's Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director here at Hill City, where we are recording this episode, uh, and I'm here with our pastor, John Wagler. Wags, what's up, man? Feeling pretty good. A little sore from a workout this morning. Oh, we get it. We went went after it a little hard, um, but uh, no, feeling good. That's good. That's good. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day about how I'm jealous uh, of people who can just, because I like exercise, but I need like guided exercise, like I need somebody to tell me what to do. And the amount of like podcasting and TV and thinking that you probably get done when you're like solo working out, I would kill for that time. (laughs) But like, (laughs) it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. The first time I ever got onto a treadmill and tried to watch a Netflix show, I was just like, I don't even, I'm I'm bored. I don't even want to do, I can't do this. I can't run and watch the show I really want to watch. It's just the way my brain works. So I'm jealous. Um, all right, this episode, um, we are going to do sort of a, an unofficial part four to our abortion series. Thanks, everyone, so much for um, hanging in there through, I think, a tough but really enlightening series. Um, thank you so much to our guests, to Lisa and to Joy, for coming on and sharing their perspectives. And um, it was sort of suggested to us, although we were going to end the series, that maybe we should do a quick follow-up and just kind of say, what did we learn um, you know, what, it, what was the experience like, um, for us and, um, just kind of recap really quick before we move on to the next topic. Um, so I think that's what we're going to do today. Um, so, uh, I think one thing that I have, I don't know for you, John, how it's been, there's been a lot of great, like in-person conversations, which is a really cool, I think, and special feature of this particular podcast where we are in the community that listens. And we know that some of you out there are like not even in Richmond, but being able to face-to-face interact with folks that listen to the podcast has been awesome. Um, And one thing that I've consistently found myself telling people is it was the first time that you and I kind of, at least in the context of the podcast, had to practice what we preach. Yeah, Um, it, It was almost like you and I already have this dynamic where it's easy for us to talk about things, but then having guests in and especially guests who the goal was to elevate, you know, was almost less of a conversation and more of a, just like, tell us what you feel and what you think and elevating their voice. So it was like, we're constantly, you know, in here talking about, you know, media and socialism and whatever, whatever, and expecting people to sit out there and listen. And like, we kind of had to take our own medicine. Yeah. It was an interesting, you know, when you talk about like one of the challenging aspects of both interviews and even just conversationally and uh, outside of that, it really was like, you realize in your head, like when someone's talking, you're like, I just want to say something right there, or I don't agree with that, or I want to cheer that on, or I want to add to it. And, and it was, it was super challenging like that was like one of the things I was like, it's super challenging to just sit and listen and hear someone's genuine perspective. Mm-hmm. It was hard. And uh, I, I remember when we got done and then even I, when Lacey asked me, like, how was it? And I was like, it is super hard to like practice what you preach. And then you realize how quickly you can get away from that. You know, even in particular, if you're close to somebody like a good friend or um, a family member or whatever, like taking the time to actually listen and hear perspective is, is way harder than we realize, you know? And, 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 and what challenged me was not just the, Hey, you got to practice what you preach, but also for me, it was like, Hey, you need to be more aware when you're not doing this. Mm-hmm. Like when you're not really listening and when you're not really trying to engage someone's perspective, you've got to be way more sensitive and, um, and then admit your faults when you don't. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, Something that I found myself um, repeating in my head over and over again during those recording sessions and during subsequent, you know, conversations afterwards, when I, especially when I'm talking to women, I think it's, with abortion specifically, it's a little different if it's just guys sitting around talking because then it sort of automatically is a conversation where everybody, you know, can chime in. But for a woman to speak her perspective, her lived perspective, something I continued to repeat in my head was like. 
your politics, theology, and ideology matter, but they don't matter right now. So mm-hmm. keep quiet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I just kept whenever I wanted to talk, I was I just had to remind myself like your viewpoint is not what's important right now. Even when we were outside in, the, in our lobby talking after we did the first one, and it was me, you, Joe, and Natalie. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe and Natalie are on staff here with Matt and I, and. Um, I could see how quickly we could dominate a conversation. Mm-hmm. And, then, and and I remember at one point, I just looked over at Natalie, and I was just like, nope, I have to be intentional here. And Natalie, what do you think? Right. And um, because how quickly that can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like a perfect example of how quickly men can try and take over a conversation that should not be right. <laughs> the case. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. You, um, you sent out, uh, recommended to me a episode of Preston Sprinkle's podcast, um, which is called Theology in the Raw. And he, in the, the episode, he speaks with a friend of his who is intersex. And mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, Preston Sprinkle's like sort of life work is negotiating. Um, how would you summarize it? I would just of? say his life work is, is looking at the balance of faith and sexuality right. and engaging the conversation um, on all, all issue, all topics of sexuality in mm-hmm. our culture. Yeah. And during that episode, um, the right near the end, the intersex person, Christian that he was interviewing basically set like very boldly was just like, you know, Preston, we're friends, but like, I've got a question for you. Why does your opinion matter? <laughs> like, why does everyone, why does everyone think that their opinion matters on everything? And that really resonated with me because I was just like, you know what, especially in the moment, I think when somebody is sharing their lived perspective and you don't share that lived perspective, whether you're a white person and they're a black person and you're a man and they're a woman or you're a straight person, they're a gay person, whatever. It is so, um, I think, helpful to just say to yourself, hey, it's like I can not clearly stating or arguing my opinion, theology, or politics right now doesn't make those things go away. It doesn't mean I have to forfeit them. They're just not what's important right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we always feel like we need to have the exact opinion on something. Right. The you know, we have to be the authority. Right? And, and that was part of, I think, to the challenge and the conversations. And I hope to our listeners that was the same thing. My my gut feeling is, is that, well, I not even my gut feeling because I've heard this from a few mm-hmm. people, but I'm assuming this is the case if we were to project that out, that in both interviews and even including in our uh, ours on the first on part one, that there were times where as you're listening, all you want to do is debate, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not the way, like, that's not the way we should do this. Like, mm-hmm. it, that lacks grace towards people and... Um, it doesn't mean you can't have an exchange of ideas or, you know, but it, it just how quickly we go there, mm-hmm. you know, because my opinion is more important. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. It's probably why podcasts are good because you just are an idiot if you're yelling at your radio <laughs> or your, your like earphones. Um, although I do that sometimes, especially with, uh, like movie podcasts when people are stating their opinions on like media that I like, I'm like, no, you don't <laughs> understand what he's trying to say. You know? Um, all right. Well, um, Really quickly, let's go over a couple of things. We kind of wanted to split this episode. We were trying to think about how do John and I recap what we heard and learned over these last couple episodes without getting a feel of like, oh, I wish I could have said this or like, here's my response to that. Um, And so what we're going to do is kind of split this episode into, for lack of a better term, like the head and the heart, like our thoughts and our feelings um, on you know, what we have experienced by sitting with Lisa and with joy and, and by talking to some of you and getting your emails and stuff. So, um, let's actually start with thoughts. Let's start with the brain. Um, John, what do you feel like over the process of sitting and listening to joy and to Lisa, what were some thoughts you had? Um, a, maybe that you now think differently and B, maybe that you, are more supported in the thought that you already had. Does that make sense? Yeah. So on that, on that line, the, the area that I was challenged on in my thought process was, uh, when you hear people's experiences and, um, not either trying to think of what you're going to say in response. That was like part of it for me, as I said earlier, I think another part was, I can say I have grace for people, but do I really have grace for people? Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I was consistently challenged in that um, in terms of like 
How was I thinking about everything in the midst of that? Um, I think I was also challenged in expanding my vision um, towards the topic on a little, like, even though we joked around and kept saying, we don't like sides, Mm -hmm. but I think I, if I was honest with myself, I still thought in sides, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like that I did, but I, I think I was thinking that way. And so I think coming out of that, I was challenged to say like, okay, this is about, this isn't about sides ultimately. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think we've got to have like a, cause sides isn't solving this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was like, but I've been a part of the side, like I'm, I'm more part of the side conversation than I realize. Mm-hmm. And so that was like challenging for me. Mm-hmm. And what does that, what does that actually reveal in my own heart, my own mind and what what maybe other inconsistencies are there in me in this conversation that I need to deal with? And what's I'll sort of reword. That's great. I will sort of reword the second part of the the question that I was trying to pose. Um, what is something that you went into it thinking that you may gain more perspective on or thinking, I think I'll get an answer for this. And you really didn't. Yeah. So. I, again, I'm coming from the life, mm-hmm. you know, um, perspective on this. And so I thought, all right, well, maybe those be some things with science mm. and scripture. Hmm. And, um, and so those were two areas where I was like, okay, I want to learn something here, get a different perspective. Mm. And for me coming out of these conversations, I have, when I start going through all the verses, it's like, overwhelmingly God is on the side of life mm-hmm. in in particularly the language that's used in the Bible about a child in the womb mm-hmm. is from start to end referred to as like life mm-hmm. and that God knows and created and um, and even to the point of, of like we like for me at one point I was like well when it seemed like a convenience factor mm-hmm. or like whatever the reason was for an abortion and I was and and there's some things that were referenced around being made in the image of God and like the value of life and everything. And I was like, well, we can't actually fully believe someone's made in the image of God if we don't believe it from the start of creation. Hmm. And so if you don't believe it in the womb, then you don't, then you don't really believe they were made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And that directly impacts mm. how we view life. Mm-hmm. And so like that was an area. And then honestly in science, like, it, in it, my perspective would be to to say that we, it's not life, then you have to be anti-science, hmm. right? Unpa- unpack that a little bit. Well, me. all of uh, biological development and research mm-hmm. on when does life begin and everything from um, the simplicity uh, of like, uh, you know, Lisa even sharing about DNA and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that and fingerprints and... When do babies feel pain? And uh, when is the heart beating? When, how, or how about like a scenario when like the mother goes brain dead, but the baby isn't, mm-hmm. you know, and the baby can go to full term. And like, and so like there are things that science has continued to prove that it's two different lives. Mm-hmm. Then there's this miracle that happens that God created this way that the woman has the ability to birth a life. Another life out of her, which is again just a miracle. Yeah, I know, <laughs> so, crazy. But, but so science continues to prove earlier and earlier and earlier about the validity of life, mm-hmm. and even so much that if you think about it, if tomorrow we discovered um, some living cells mm-hmm. in Mars, mm-hmm. right? The first thing someone would be like, "We discovered what life on Mars," mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so, mm-hmm. and rather than saying it's a clump of cells or not that that was even referenced right. in our interviews. But so I think for someone to say it isn't life, then you have to be anti-science. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so then you have, if you're anti-science and the Bible speaks to life in the womb in the way that I believe that it does mm-hmm. and being created in the image of God, then, then it just rolls into some other things that I just have, would have like questions about, mm-hmm. right? So in the process, I felt like for me, I was actually shocked how much that made me, for lack of a better term, double down on that, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and it doesn't make me judgmental or condemning. It just it just like 
those two pieces felt more secure for me mm-hmm. uh, in the conversation. And then the challenge for me was like, but then how do I, how do I make sure that it's gracious and kind and empathetic in experiences and mm-hmm. stuff that I'll never have to face or stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, there are some like, man, I don't even know what I would do in that scenario. Right. You know, like that kind of thing. Right. How does that all play in? Hmm. Interesting. What about for you? What What are some things that you were challenged on or maybe felt like, oh, I feel like I might feel this a little bit more intently. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think, um, you know, intellectually, a couple of things. I was challenged some of the stuff that Lisa sort of put forth about um, the pro-choice movement um, and Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood. You know, I think maybe I had vaguely heard some of that stuff, but just sort of discounted it um, because I was hearing it from like sort of shouty pundit types. So it really made me um, dive into that a little bit and it really made me wrestle with that stuff. Um, I think at the end of it, I found out that Planned Parenthood um, definitely has some issues with how they communicate with people um, and, you know, just some – they definitely are – it kind of reminded me of PETA in a weird way of like you – you, there's a better way to say this to get w- what you're trying to get, you know? Um, and so it kind of made me move away from a, you know, oh, this particular movement or this part of the movement is beyond reproach to a more critical, like, oh, okay, huh, yeah, interesting. It didn't necessarily change my opinion, but it did make me, it did give me perspective as to like, okay, I see why you guys are saying this. Um, I think that it's, I read a, an interview with Ben Carson where he kind of brings up, um, similar to what Lisa was saying about like, well, Margaret Sanger wasn't a fan of black people or poor people and kind of brought in the, you know, the eugenics thing. And it still kind of makes me feel like, well, context is important, but I definitely get where people are coming from where before I feel like I thought like, oh, this is just propaganda. This is just like anti abortion propaganda. Um, so that was good. And it's like, it's always good if you can move from a place where you think that what, uh, we're always like talking about Brene Brown in the stupid (laughs) podcast, but like, uh, in the book that we're reading by her right now, she talks about, I can't say the word confabulation, 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 which is a lie told honestly. Um, if you can't, if you think something is that, but then learn that it's actually a truth, um, that, maybe you just see differently. I think it's, it's a good way to like bring you closer to your quote unquote, like opposite side and like find common ground. So that was good. And it was a good research hole to fall down. Um, I also, you know, honestly, I think that I, as somebody who is naturally sort of like rebellious and very like, you know, young punk type, I just, I just tend to discount what people who are older than me say (laughs) just like oh whatever like you don't you know I I very much I fall I I fall victim to that millennial attitude of like we know what's right we're enlightened and like you know people of it's boomers particularly like they they just haven't learned yet what we already know and it really pushed me away from that I think like just sitting and listening to Lisa and just disagreeing with her on so many things but just having that moment of clarity of like but who am I? Like, I haven't lived for as long as she has. Like, maybe when I'm her age, I will think that way. I don't think so, but maybe like, and maybe I just need to not necessarily like blindly just like, Oh, you're right. You know? Um, but sit with it and just think like, yeah, but this person has experiences I don't have, you know? And they have, they have perspective that I can't gain in 34 years that you can gain in 60 years. Um, so it definitely like challenged me on that and challenged me on um, just listening and realizing that like I don't know everything and that, you know. It's hard when you realize that. It's hard. <laughs> it's weird because I always realize it and then forget it and yeah. have to realize it again. <laughs> Um, and I think as far as feeling like maybe I had I doubled down on some things and I'll get into this a little more, but um, I think that actually it's funny it was like the exact opposite effect on me that what you described like looking through the scripture i always thought that this was something that um i 
was avoiding that was clear in scripture, but then looking at the scripture and reading some of the sort of, like you were talking about, um, just, you know, early Christian thinkers and how they were sort of split on like, when does life begin or what is life and all this getting into it, it kind of made me think like, Oh, this really is unclear. Like this really, there's been two sides of this for a long time. Um, it also made me in my research, um, about like, I think joy made some comment about abortion hasn't been as big a deal until recent, you know, the last 50 years or 60 years, as far as like the church having a hard stance on it. Researching that, I found that it wasn't quite that recent in what I read. And maybe Mm. joy has other stuff that I could read, which I'll talk to her about, but it wasn't quite that recent, but it also isn't quite as like, Oh, this is a time honored stance that the church has taken as I thought it would be. Yeah. I think it got, it got more, it's definitely more than 40 years ago. It's been certainly a lot longer and how the versions of how it's been expressed church in historical church, Mm. um, has been different too. Um, because you know, like when you look at the early church, they would like during the times of like we're talking biblical times, mm-hmm. like people would leave babies out. That was like mm-hmm. like on the front porch, just let them die, mm-hmm. you know. Like and so, um, that's a little different than in the womb, mm-hmm. like kind of kind of feel. Um, but you're you're right; it does go back longer than you know forty fifty years. Yeah. Um, and part of that though, I think the most recent thing has to do more with science. Yeah, but I also think that. I guess what I felt doubled down on was that it definitely, there is some very um, insidious, like political stuff going on behind sure. it, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, behind yeah. all of the sudden, yeah. everybody being, you Agreed. know, you know yeah. being so on, on board about it. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of our, our brains. Um, what did you go away from? And, you know, let's just be honest about how we felt. Um, I'm already feeling a little nervous. Uh, But what did you come away with? What was the overwhelming feeling that you came away with from, you know, after talking to Joy and Lisa? What was a what's a feeling you can't shake good or bad? Yeah, I'll um, I think I want to highlight two things. One's personal and I think one's going to be pastoral, which I haven't done on here, you know, but I just I I want to. You are a pastor. (laughs) pastor. That is your full time job. (laughs) Um. The first one personal was I was deeply challenged um, by both Joy and Lisa for how committed they are, how gracious they are, how both, even though they come from different perspectives, are putting their um, money where their mouth is, so to speak, Mm -hmm. Um from the way that Joy works with so many different women and mm-hmm. families and has dedicated her life to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lisa, you know, from working with homes, going in prison systems to helping, you know, um, women that have had abortions and helping counsel them and everything. I was just, I was deeply challenged to this idea of, um, Man, like you can have a strong opinion, maybe I don't know, but like if you're not doing anything about it, then maybe you should just keep your mouth shut, mm-hmm. you know. And and what does it mean for me to be even more committed to this and uh, to be what what is within my reach and my quote unquote power? I, that's not that's a terrible word, but mm-hmm. um, or ability mm-hmm. um, with my role here and everything else to. Um, help galvanize folks to be more committed to this together, even folks that might have difference of opinions, right? And and so I was just really challenged by that and convicted by it, and um, maybe even maybe started thinking even like on the political side of things, how I'm like this really to me isn't like a political issue, and it shouldn't be. It to me it's like a moral issue, and. And so, but even the political side, I just was like challenged by hearing them talk and everything. So I'm like, man, what y'all are describing doesn't happen in a pro-life, pro-choice political. It, that's not what's like, that's not answering or fixing things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what they're describing, what Joy and Lisa were describing were like people on the ground helping other people and bringing things to their attention and mm-hmm. serving needs and everything else. And that's what was changing mm-hmm. folks. 
you know, and are there practical things like sex ed and mm-hmm. free condoms or You're right. <laughs> yeah, yes, but like I don't know. So I was like really just deeply challenged on a personal level and convicted on a personal level that um, if you just vote pro-life, let's say, that doesn't mean you're pro-life. Right. What are you actually doing? It, what are you actually doing about it to make a difference? And there are a lot of people who are. Like, uh, my mom is an, like a great example. Like, mm-hmm. She serves at the per- Pregnancy Resource Center. She makes meals for people. She's given money. She's done all these things. And, um, and when someone's like, is, when my mom's like, I'm pro-life, I'm like, you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Around us, you are certainly. Right. And so, like, just the deep conviction to to be like, don't just say you're pro-life. Mm-hmm. That's a cop-out. Mm-hmm. You know, like, do something about it and be a change agent and all this stuff. And so that was one thing. And then on the pastoral side, um, it's more of like an encouragement to folks. And um, I would say this, whatever your opinions are, really dig into, if you're a Christian, mm-hmm. dig into the Bible first. Mm-hmm. And what is what do you see as woven in about life? And um, you're going to have to dig a little deeper. Like I'll give you just a quick example when you read through Luke, mm-hmm. um, Luke uses the same word, the same Greek word that's used for a baby in the womb is the same Greek word for um, a child outside of it. Mm-hmm. And so he uses the same wording mm-hmm. in the New Testament for um, the value. So like that's the personhood, the value of that life, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, but you can do that from the start, literally from Genesis 1, 26 and 27 about being made in the image of God and working through um, and Psalms and Isaiah and Jeremiah and um, uh, then working through the New Testament, you know, like Luke and what did Jesus speak? That Was he for life or against life? Mm-hmm. Was he like, and allow that to be the basis of where you start anything from. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would also say this too. I think we all have to, I think part of the reason why this conversation has been so difficult within the churches is you have to face the inconsistencies that you have. Mm. And being that I believe that this is a moral issue, then whenever you choose a side in this scenario, and then you're faced with maybe some inconsistencies, mm-hmm. then then you have to then say to yourself, well, man, if I'm inconsistent, that means that that could also play into more immoral action. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to... Um, as Christians, we have to like begin to really think some of that stuff through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll give you one example for me that I have no answer to, mm-hmm. and it's something that I'm processing and everything. And so if I say I'm pro-life and, and I believe that that baby is a life and in the womb, then I would also have to say then I would believe it's murder. Mm-hmm. And in every other context, we we would believe that if someone murdered someone else, if someone took someone else's future away, mm-hmm. um, then I w- then there would be consequences for that, mm-hmm. right? Towards the woman and towards the doctor. Mm-hmm. And maybe towards the man that paid for the abortion or agreed t- mm. that the woman got the abortion. And, and so what I felt was inconsistent for me mm-hmm. was um, I don't feel that. Like, I don't feel like women should be incarcerated. I don't right. feel like, you know, so I'm like, internally wrestling with like why is that there right you know and why is it what i feel like is inconsistency there and what do i have to and maybe someone has a good answer for that i've not yet heard one mm-hmm. um but uh in the same way it's like i think folks on the choice side have some inconsistencies like in particular around like life mm-hmm. in and of itself and dealing with science and mm-hmm. stuff like that too that is inconsistent mm-hmm. that i think has to be dealt with mm-hmm. and answered and because on the choice side, then you got to start, and this is again from a Christian perspective, like thinking through, like if it's life and that's what it points to, and in rights of people, mm-hmm. you know, the baby has rights, and and some of those things that like all those things matter in this life discussion, and um, and I think again from a pastoral perspective, it's like having more conversations and listening is so important because for for example, like you and I both agree on life and value life and want life. And we have learned from each other and we learned from these interviews and been challenged and we just need more of that. And so I know it's long winded, but I just, I feel like, especially in our community, it's just speaking directly to you guys. Um, stop with the debating as like a main form of discourse 
and start with listening and wanting to be challenged and be gracious and be kind and be empathetic and be compassionate. Um, I don't care if you disagreed with Joy, like be challenged by her grace and love and the fact that she's dedicated her life to this and having way more impact than someone who's just voting pro-life and then going on their merry way, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, like be challenged by that. Be challenged if you're on the choice side as a Christian, be challenged and convicted and by what Lisa's done with her life and committed in her story and all those things like be challenged by it and learn and grow. That should be our posture. That should be our humility. And that is the most Christ-like thing that we can do in this. Um, I'll get off my soapbox. That's, <laughs> well, sorry. so I want to practice active listening and repeat back to you to make sure that I'm sure. clear about some of the things you said. So I think um, for your inconsistencies, what I heard you say, and I want to make sure that I got it, that I heard it right and that our audience heard it right, what you're saying is it really, you've left with this overwhelming feeling of tension about is it, you know, why don't, here's the definition of murder, so why don't I feel like abortion is mur- is wrong, is like morally wrong, but not the same as murder? Is that... Yeah, so if you're on the pro-life side. Right. So I would say, and there might be, well, I know there are, there are pro-life folks who are like, no, they should be. Right. There should be consequences, right. should be in prison, should be whatever. Um, but I, I would just say like, as you're dealing with some of these things, mm-hmm. like coming... I think when we come face to face with some inconsistencies that like, ah, that doesn't quite answer things mm-hmm. the way I think it does. Mm-hmm. That helps us. I think it should move us towards more grace mm-hmm. and hit pause. And it doesn't, j- this is the other thing, just because there's tension or a gray area in the conversation does not mean you've, you're leaping to the other side. Mm-hmm. It just means you're engaging and learning, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think too often, like, if if I say that, then someone's gonna be like, "Oh, you're jumping, mm-hmm. you're going." I'm like, "No, I'm just like I I don't have an answer for this, and so I want to learn and get some more perspective and grow in this. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I'm jumping to anything and stop trying to put me outside, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And yeah. so, um, and that's where I would say that's why it's important for us to do that. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think we we just don't do that enough. We'd rather like again double triple down whatever on go all in all in on some other things instead of dealing with the, some stuff that like I think sometimes we like to to uh, immediate jump to the like the one-off scenarios to try and justify something rather than saying like hey okay we realize there's one-offs but like let's really dig into like the bigger picture here that is really constitutes the larger conversation so yeah I liked um especially hearing some of Joy's stories from her clients and friends. I think the one, the idea of the one-off being like, Oh, that's just a one-off, but then having to like really listen and like empathize with those one-offs. I'm not saying it should, that it changes everyone's opinion, but it's kind of like you need to count the cost of what you're your take is on it, you know, before. And I think people don't do that. And I think it's important for, and it was the same with Lisa, the fact that they both had lived experience in this, because I think on both sides, you can be quick to say, well, if you had sat with some of these women and heard, you wouldn't feel that way. It's like, yeah, Yeah. that's my whole job is to sit and, you know, like for both Joy and Lisa. And so it's like, I think they were, uniquely qualified to offer us perspective which was awesome yeah like i think if you put lisa and joy on the same team even though they come from different perspectives mm-hmm. if that stuff like that happened more and like let's just say that they led an organization together then it wouldn't be about politics it would be about helping people mm-hmm. and because at the end of the day i think the two of them together would have like this unbelievable impact because they passionately love folks. Yeah. And that's a good, so that's a good sort of lead into my overwhelming feeling. And I kind of have two as well. Although one of them is not pastoral. (laughs) Um, I think if I'm honest with myself, the overwhelming feeling I came out with was worry, which is my overwhelming feeling about a lot of things, but I'm worried that, and I'm just being honest, this whole thing is wasted energy. 
and here's how I'll explain it because you brought this up earlier about we and we talked about this a lot about like Christian the Christian faith having a history of rescuing baby you know like getting the babies out of the street so um that in you know Roman culture in the first century church it was acceptable if you didn't want a baby or if the baby was the wrong gender or whatever that you just put it out in the street like trash and that the Christians you know, walked around and picked him up. And at the time, that was revolutionary. Now we would see that as basic, you know, morals that anyone who's not a serial killer would do. But like, then it was revolutionary. Here's my concern. Imagine if while that was happening, some leader, Paul, or like some like respected leader in the church, went to all the churches in Corinth and Ephesus and all the other, you know, churches and were like, stop doing this, there's abortions happening. I'm worried that's what's happening. Like I'm worried, and I'm not saying that is what's happening. That's my worry. My worry is that when I think about if people on both sides of the quote unquote, both sides of the issue were to take all of the money and thought like brain power and money and infrastructure and all of the people who are fighting to keep Planned Parenthood open and fighting for women's rights and all of the people who are fighting to shut down Planned Parenthood and fighting, you know, to for um, babies' rights, uh, you know, or whatever. If they were to all get together and just be like, there's babies in the street. I, I guess my fear is like, there might still be babies in the street. We just don't see it. Like if they were to all get together and stop doing that stuff and put that energy into getting kids out of internment camps and going to the developing world and feeding kids and giving them water, that the world would be a better place and that this whole conversation that we've been having is like an illusion. It's like an, it's an illusion of a conflict to distract us. Again, I'm not saying this is what's happening. I'm just sharing like sure. yeah, this yeah, is yeah. my deep-seated fear or like yeah. worry. I just wor- I just worry like is this is this is this baptism? Like is this like us shedding each other's blood over like when you get baptized? Is it really just like a little is it a thing that's become a huge thing that has just split us all and redivert like there's one thing we know it's a house divided can't stand, right? Divide and conquer. That's a tenant of military uh, strategy. So if we think of it in terms, and I don't want to, we always say, I don't want to over spiritualize. If we think of it in terms that there's an adversary out there, Satan, whatever you want to call it, and that there is this adversarial thing going on, a great strategy would be conflate this thing, divide everybody so that the children in Africa and at the border and in Thailand and in Syria just continue to die with without Christian assistance and they get, I mean, like there's a lot of Christians yeah. out there doing that stuff, but that, so that's my, that has been the overwhelming feeling of dread that I've gotten I'm gonna, through can this I, whole thing. I'm going to pop in on that. Cause like, I want to, uh, encourage some, a part of what you said, because when in John ten ten you, you think about when it says the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. Mm hmm. But then Jesus says, but I've come to give life. Mm. And so I think to your point, I do think whether you want to term it Satan or evil or whatever, what we do know is it's deceptive, it's manipulative in that evil part. And I think it, to your point, the way that that's worked in our culture has been the fact that we devalue life as a whole. Mm-hmm. We, we devalue the life of adults, mm-hmm. of the elderly little children, you know, and cause like we could fix a lot of this mm-hmm. like, in terms of the abortion topic, we could fix a lot of this like pretty easily, like take $1 trillion away from the military. And how about we do free adoption, um, incredible sex education, free condoms and, um, foster care, like, uh, your, your long paid leave for a woman who gets pregnant, you know, like mm-hmm. All the things that have been proven to lower to abortion yeah, yeah. rates. Yeah, so like in there, there are things that we could do, you know. Yeah. But I think because when we devalue life as a whole, and, and this is what I mean, like that's the thief's mindset to to steal, kill, and destroy, and, and to manipulate and to deceive, and to um, to essentially allow us to devalue life. That's what we see. I actually believe, Matt, and I don't, I don't, you probably won't agree with this, but I think our kids are good. Every generation has their thing that you look back on and you're just like, what the, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think abortion is going to be the one for our generation. Yeah, you said that before, and I've thought a lot about it. Um, I I don't a hundred percent agree, but I think that what I would agree with is some version of that in which, and I think this is true with a lot of social stuff. We see this, like we talk about this with um, gay rights in Canada and how it um, affects how they talk about it in church. Once you legalize, once you stop telling people they're criminals for doing a thing, then you can have a conversation. I think that that's true with abortion with our kids. As they grow up, um, depending on which way things go, I think the sort of Gen Z, you know, they're already tending to be politically a little more liberal and more concerned with like the environment and things that like our generation and the boom- Gen Z is actually more conservative. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, millennials. Yeah. Um, Gen Z still have a couple of years before they're in charge. Um <laughs> But uh, things that would be considered by boomers to be like hippie stuff, like the earth and, you know, whatever. I think that I can see a future in which millennials sort of clear some of the conversational hurdles by taking legality out of it one way or the other. And then, yeah, like being if we have a future where it is not in question whether a woman who gets an abortion is a criminal or not, because right now it's in question. Just like when we have a future in which black lives matter of course so we don't have to say black lives matter anymore and we can remove that i think yeah i I think you could be right ideologically they will become more pro-life because politically they found the answer yeah i think our kids will probably be like y'all you look at science it continues to prove like Mm -hmm. life more and more and more Mm -hmm. like in earlier and earlier and earlier Mm -hmm. right and so it's like you got science on your side you've got answers to a lot of the questions of like, what would help curb more abortions? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and it's like, I think they're going to be like, you guys, like, you could have eliminated 90 plus percent of these, you know, but instead, you just fought and debated all the time. And think about the millions of of children that died because of it. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that's what it's going to be. I think, and, and that's my point about like being so challenged by all of this is like, you know what, like you and I, have an opportunity being a part of leadership team here at Hill City Church to be committed to this and help do our part so that when our kids grow up, they can look at and be like, you know what? My dads and my moms and the rest of that team and the rest of that, the culture that was built there at Hill City, like they didn't just talk about it, debate about it, do a podcast, a four part podcast on it. Like they put some things in place to really help people. And um, and I think that ends up being the most important thing. And here's my I'll I'll pop in on the because yeah. you brought up science a couple of times and that actually leads into my second like overwhelming feeling going forward. I really and this kind of goes back to the first thing too. I really wanted during all of this for the research to have science solve it for me. To just have science be like, look, this is when life begins. It's twelve weeks. It's twenty four weeks. It's five weeks. It's thirty eight weeks. Like this is when life happens. My response to the fingerprints is, you know, this is when there's fingerprints, this is when there's a heartbeat, this is when there's fingernails, this is when they can feel pain. And also the argument, which weirdly I've heard in other places about, like, if we found this on Mars, we would say it was life on Mars. I'm still hung up, and there's a lot of tension for me about what's the difference between life and a life. Like, a clump, clumps of cells are not it is life, but like, are, do we value the clump of cells in the puddle in Mars the same as we value a human life? Um, if you are in a consistent vegetative state, you have a heartbeat and fingernails and fingerprints, you're alive. But is it, you know, are you, do you have a life? Can and I ask you a question? I'll yeah, that. for sure. Just um, yeah, curious. Yeah. Um, for you, like, so like for me, it would be like, I view a life as as the ability to have a future. Hmm. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. So like, it, so, I'm on track with that. Because so like then, a vegetative get, state would be like, well, you don't have a future. Well, but then you could that. So that argument slides into is contraception okay? Because one one of the sperm in your testes has got a future. I mean, what? Well, yeah, the but potential no, but not, for life is no. I'm not saying I'm not saying potential for life. Uh-huh. I'm saying the life has already been made and has a future. It's different than potential. I don't see it as different. So a sperm has potential, but is not a life. Mm -hmm. But a fertilized egg is a life and now has a future. A 
a sperm doesn't have a future. Mm-hmm. That thing can just swim around forever. Well, if it's the one that gets through to the egg, it does. Yeah, but the yeah, but what I'm saying is like it needs something else to be constituted to be able to have a future. Mm-hmm. But a life that's already come together is different. So now that for, for me, it's mm-hmm. like then that has a future. There's a difference between be, the ability to have a future and the potential. So like when someone's like, well, what about euthanasia or someone mm-hmm. who's dying? You know, like, what do you do there? And I'm like, well, if, if someone says like, I don't have a future mm-hmm. to be able to have hobbies and learn and grow and change and, and do all these different things, then that's different for like someone in that state, a vegetative state or anything. Cause there's no future there. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like, the potential for life is something like we could have sex here and oh, maybe that's potentially life. Mm-hmm. You know, that could happen, but but there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And so there's a difference between like when you and Jenny had cash, the potential was was there. I don't want to get right. <laughs> too far into this, right? <laughs> but y'all know what I'm We're saying. We're pretty open. <laughs> but like the potential happened, but the second that that egg became fertilized, then cash had a future. Hmm. And so from like, so anyway, that's yeah, what, what I, mean. I, I hear so, what you're saying. Yeah. I don't, I would have to think about that. Yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. I don't have like yeah, a yeah. quick response. Yeah. I, I think my knee jerk response is like, I'm not comfortable with. So when the, when the egg is fertilized before the baby is viable, and I know we're all arguing about what viable is before the baby can live outside of the mother whether it's with machines or whatever, that baby's future in the immediate is tied in to that mother's future. And I'm not sure if I'm willing to... So we talk about the hierarchy of life and like you, we have a hard time. Like, how do we determine the hierarchy of life? It's kind of like, I'm going to do a thought experiment. I'm sorry, everybody who hates this, Natalie. Um, uh, it's like, would you, for me would you choose the lump of cells over the already lived experience? I mean, I understand what you're doing. Like, I guess, would you, would you choose the potential for a great future of, of a, of a, you know, forming baby against the knowable, like current future and life of, not would you, but would we? Sure. Yeah. Of uh, an art, you know, a mother who who's already living her life, or her kids who are already living their lives. Like Joey brought up a great point of like if she was faced with that that choice, and it was between this potential kid or her, you know, her being there for her current kids, that would be a tough choice. Um, and as far as like, well, you know, first off, you and I have already sort of agreed on like you can't man you say well trust god like you don't know for sure that the baby's going to kill you or whatever well it's like you can't state mandate people trusting you know like yeah that's like saying that's like saying at a certain age everyone should go to their partially blind father and steal their inheritance it's like god redeemed jacob the jacob and esau story but that's not an indicator for like this is what we should all do correct yeah there's Um, no question you and i are speaking from a christian perspective here how do we right yeah Yeah. so i guess i'm just still really struggling with how do you choose this um how do i determine the viability and the quality and the effect of currently living people based on futures that seems like weird quantum physics to me <laughs> like it just seems like some weird like potential futures and i don't know it's just it's something that i that i struggle with is that but i am struggling with it yeah. and, I, and i think that's kind of like what you were saying earlier about like people who are pro cho- quote unquote pro choice like that that's what we're called to do is like say i saw a great thread on facebook where someone reposted this woman who was a doctor saying like basically just being frustrated which she had every right to be of just being like this whole thing is bs and then she just listed like, um, you know, the eight week heartbeat isn't even really a heartbeat. It's more of a, an electronic da, 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 da. She just like listed all these things. And then somebody chimed in and was like, I'm actually with you. Like I am pro-choice, but, um, what you said about when a baby can feel pain is not, is, is up for debate. And so it was like somebody on her side chiming in and being like, I'm actually with you, but like you're jumping the gun on this one thing. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm sort of at is like, and I, and I would say people who are quote unquote on my side, like, that's the thing is we need to figure out, like, continue to think about that stuff. Like, 
I've definitely gotten to the point where I think I'm sort of couched. I'm more couched from these conversations into the point of view of like, it's not a life. But now I have to figure out, well, when is it a life? <laughs> um, and I have some thoughts, you know, there's brainwaves at a certain amount of weeks and there's the pain thing in a certain amount of weeks. And there's, well, here's when it can live outside of the mother and is no longer intricately tied into the vascular system of the mother and da, 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 da. And I'm thinking through all that, but that's just, again, I'm just sharing feelings. That's my overwhelming feeling coming out of this is like, I'm still, I think I was expecting to come out of this being even more to the center or even maybe leaning the other way. And I found the opposite, not wildly, I'm not like, you know, wildly swinging the other way, but like, I found myself either like, again, if it's a a pendulum or a spectrum, I've unexpectedly found myself a little dug in, maybe more. And it sounds like you kind of have some of the same feelings. I, you know, I would, I think maybe the difference for me was, and this is going to sound odd, but I think I found myself way less dug in politically. Yeah, I hear that. And more dug in personally about life. Yeah, I think it was like... you know what I mean? It was almost the opposite for me. I found myself more dug in politically, but less dug in. I I really learned like, hey, people are not just running around hating women. Like, that's just not... And like, people are... I'm sorry. People do run around hating women, but like, all of these people are not just running around like, hating and devaluing women. Um, Even sometimes the narrative that's put out there, like... It's that people hate women. I'm like, no, no, no. Like a massive chunk of women are pro-life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I still definitely, you know, I'm still all in the headspace of like there is misogyny and there's a patriarchy and like there are things that are happening to keep all oppressed peoples oppressed. But um, I think something I like the mirror of what you experience is like I feel more strongly about the political um, side of it. But personally i'm more like i it's humanized the other side for me um so it's like i'm i'm more i more understand why i think somebody's wrong but i also more understand why that person feels that way and like get where they're coming from mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah. yeah cool oh boy this was longer than i thought it was yeah i know be. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think this was was this the first time you and i really kind of went back and forth in a real way i feel like you and i maybe haven't had this on conversation. this yeah maybe you on know this. we certainly have Outside of the podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, saying yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, I, yeah. We kept getting complaints that you and I weren't arguing enough on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> John, you're the worst. I hate you. Um, so thank you to everyone. Um, thanks again, like, to the moon and back to Joy and to Lisa for coming in. Thanks to everybody who sent um, uh, sent in things for them. So I, I've gotten a lot of, like, hey, please tell Joy this or, like, tell Lisa. We got an email yesterday of, like, tell Lisa thank you. Um, so thanks to them. Thanks to you all who have been engaging. Um, if you want to email us, um, with a question, a comment, or a suggestion on what we could talk about next, you can do that. Just email staycurious, um, at hillcityrva.com. Again, that's staycurious at hillcityrva.com. If you get a second rate and review us so that we can get other people in on the conversation. Um, thanks again to our guests and thanks to uh, you all for listening. We'll see you next time.